Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy dropped Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. This is an episode that I have been waiting to put out here. So, what I'm going to introduce to you is the Fight Game Media Network. Now, this is a project that I've been teasing here and there. You may have heard me talk about this with John when we talk about, hey, where did our WCW Saturday night shows go? We've spent the last two weeks in a soft launch, and now we are ready to go with the network. Let me explain just a little bit here. So the network in of itself is on Patreon. Patreon is a website in which you subscribe to and there are tiers and there are dollar values that go with those tiers. Now, this show will always be, at least unless we get fired, it will always be on this feed. We are a part of the Blue Wire network and that that doesn't change. However, what we are doing is, at least this podcast, the Fight Game Podcast, we're taking one of our extra episodes that we produce for Blue Wire, and we are putting it behind a Patreon paywall. But it's not just this podcast that we are bringing to the network. Let me quickly explain how the tiers work. And by the way, if you're listening to this Monday morning, Go to fightgamemedia.com. There's a press release out. There's tons of information about what we're doing. This is like the audio version of that. Consider this a bonus episode, if you will. So the first tier is just $5 a month, and you'll get two episodes a week. This podcast, our Monday version of this podcast, which has historically been our history review. Previously, we've done 1993 Raw's. This summer, we've done 1992 WCW Saturday Night. Earlier in 2020, we did We Want Flair. And then in 2021, we're going to do 1997 WWF Monday Night Raw. So in 2021, our entire season of 1997 Monday Night Raw review shows will be on the Patreon in the $5 tier, along with another podcast called Two Jabronis with a Wrestling Podcast. Ben Cruz, Jeremy Lose, they've been together for a little while now, and they have a great following. And their second podcast, which is focusing on The Rock, by the way, is going to be in the $5 tier. So for $5, you get two podcasts, one on Monday and one on Friday, Every week. So for your monthly uh, payment of $5 a month, you get eight podcasts. Now, 
The tier that I am most proud of and is is sort of the reason why I did this is called uh, our five-day-a-week tier. And we are promising all of these subscribers a brand new podcast Monday through Friday and also some weekend stuff, especially because there are so many big events on the weekends. But generally, uh, what I wanted to do with this network is create a network in which you would get content Monday through Friday, sort of like, you know, morning radio in a sense. It's kind of like the idea, right? Like if you, if you used to listen to radio during drive time, the morning show, Howard Stern, Monday through Friday, you have just this consistent thing that you can listen to. Now there'll be five different shows. It's not only going to be me. We'll have five different shows Monday through Friday. And down uh, a few, you know, a few minutes down the line here, I'm going to actually give you a sample of all of the shows in our Monday through Friday tier. That tier is $10. We're also going to include the Break It Down show, which is going to be our WWF, sorry, WWE recap show for the uh, pay-per-views and the takeovers. Those will all be in the $5 tier too. And, uh, and yeah, so, you know, you'll have a consistent, uh, consistent feed of audio from this network. So when you get to the next level of tiers, we're adding special shows. So a Q and a show with Dave Meltzer, a monthly Q and a show also, uh, shows with, uh, John Moxley talking UFC, and interviews with other people in the wrestling business, including an idea that I have for a semi-narrative podcast called The Match. Now, for that idea, I want to talk to somebody in the biz and talk about a specific match and go over the build-up to that match and the outcome of that match and talk to that person, but also kind of you know, in describing what the buildup is, you know, take some of the audio from some of the interviews, though, you know, we're not going to overextend ourselves there because that is a WWE or WC, uh, I guess WWE owns everything. So it'll be a WWE copyright. But um, yeah, I think it'll be a fun thing. And it's going to be a very, uh, it's going to test my skill set as a podcaster to do that correctly. We're going to also throw in our book club Q&As that we do over at the Fight Game Podcast Facebook group. And my my pop culture podcast, which I had previously been doing uh, probably a few years ago called Ball So Hard. And I'm going to focus on movies, music, pop culture, uh, TV shows, all that jazz. That won't be a weekly show in, in, in any way. I, I just won't have time to do it weekly. But I already have some ideas for that. So uh, that'll be in the $15 tier as well. And then in our top tier, which we have limited to just 40 spots, you'll get all of the above, including what I call 100% engagement with the Fight Game Media Network team. So, if you want to learn how to podcast, join this tier. You will have one-on-one Zoom calls with me, and I will teach you everything 
that I know about podcasting. Now, there may be some things that I don't know that I'll have to research or ask folks in the business about a little bit more. But I've made, you know, I've spent so much money getting this thing off the ground and I've made so many mistakes. And, you know, I can pass on that knowledge so that you don't spend tons of money getting this thing on the ground. But I, you know, I've, I have insight into, you know, what software to use to record, what kind of microphones, uh, USB or XLR. And if it's XLR, how do I hook that thing up to my computer? Um, how do I edit? How do I compress? You know, all kinds of different things that you're going to want to do eventually with your podcast. And I can kind of give you the, uh, the quick and dirty early on and, and also be an ear and help you and help you with interviewing and with putting together a rundown and really figuring out what the focus of the show is. All of those things um, I can help with. The other thing is uh, if you want to create a website, if you want to write, if you want to be a content creator, we're also going to offer one-on-one calls for that. Fight Game Media, the website has been around in some sort of iteration for about 11 years now. And it wasn't always Fight Game Media. It was Fight Game Blog. We were doing lots of different stuff in the beginning. We are probably the best that we've ever been right now as we have uh, a lot of really good writers. But like people are always saying, you know, how do I create a website? You know, it's it's there are things that you can read and, you know, YouTube videos that you can watch but uh you know we've we've been doing it and i have some insight Uh, our editor justin nipper you know he really understands writing he studied writing and he can help with the writing piece and really what this tier is is also kind of like you know if you want to work with us um this is kind of how we would get somebody started and so you know, I think the most interesting thing about this tier is just the access. Like you'll have access to people who are doing this. And some of you may already be advanced in this and, and we may not be a ton of help. But really, those of you who are just really kind of dabbling and, and want to have a, a hobby and maybe you, you took some radio classes in college, uh, that you know, this would be perfect. Um, you know, we're, we're really trying to help content creators or, or future content creators here with our time. Uh, and uh, and the other thing that we're going to add in this tier, which is uh, our top tier at $25 a month. But, you know, there's only 40 spots. Like we're really limiting this mostly because, you know, if I'm going to give people, um, you know, engagement, we this can't be so many to where I don't have enough time to to to, to talk to people. We're also going to do uh, monthly happy hour chats on Zoom, so it's sort of like hang out with the crew. We'll all get on Zoom. We'll all grab an adult beverage if we are old enough, or if we drink. If we don't, then you don't need it. Just grab a Coke or something, and we'll do uh, monthly sort of Zoom chats, possibly to you know to record for a podcast, or m- maybe not. Maybe it's not going to be specifically about topics and wrestling and and we don't have to record it but anyways so uh so those are the tiers now why did i do this why am i interested in doing this so personally i'm i'm a radio guy when i was growing up uh, i listened to kmbr 680 which is the big sports station in the bay area i listened to it even before it was a hundred percent 
sports radio. And I have always wanted to do something in radio growing up. I went to school at San Jose State University, have my radio TV journalism degree. Um, and I even worked at KMBR. I was an intern and then I worked as an associate producer, assistant producer. Uh, it just, you know, I loved radio. I, I didn't, I didn't really like TV much. I really loved radio. Wasn't a, a huge fan of TV. Um, and I've been doing a version of this podcast, the fight game podcast. It was called something different years and years and years ago. Uh, FGB radio, FGB stood for fight game blog. And, and I use that show just to kind of, you know, when you need to get your repetitions in, and you need to sort of test things like that's what that show w- was about. I've had people uh, on that show, uh, my buddy Jason Hagholm, who is now doing stuff. He has his own MMA YouTube show, and he he's done broadcasting. He's actually called MMA fights before. And then my buddy Big D, who is uh, one of the bigger uh, Dragon Ball YouTube influencers out there. His, he's got a real successful YouTube channel on Dragon Ball. And those are the guys that I was working with way back when. Uh, but, you know, so I've, I've been doing a version of this show for quite a while now. And I'm also an, a listener of podcasts. Bill Simmons' stuff from The Ringer and even before when he was just working for ESPN. Uh, Adam Carolla's podcast network, which I sort of modeled the Monday through Friday thing after, even though I don't really listen to Adam anymore because our political ideals are are quite the opposite these days. But still, uh, his idea of of how to do something uh, consistently it, it was definitely an influence on me. Obviously, Wrestling Observer Radio, which I do co-host uh, about once a week or so. Uh, with Dave Meltzer. That is a heavy influence. I've been listening to Dave and Brian do radio or a version of internet radio since the IATA days in the late 90s. And uh, Gimlet Media's startup show, that narrative podcast where uh, they talk about the creating of the company. How do we create a podcast company? That is super influential into what I do, even though I don't actually do shows like theirs. They're very narrative-based, very heavily produced, Just, but the, the idea, the energy is there with me. And there's also a guy named Dan Benjamin who did a, a podcast uh, show called The Podcast Method, and it wasn't about anything other than how to improve your podcast. How do you do some of the things that you know? I hope to help people in our $25 tier uh, do? So you'll hear all of those influences in this network. And so rather than tell you about the shows uh, just through my voice, uh, I'm going to set you up and we will listen to small segments of the show so far. Because like I said, we did two weeks of soft launch. And so each show in the network, with the exception of our of our uh, WWF, or sorry, I keep saying WWF, WWE um, recap show, which is for the pay-per-views and for the takeovers, we have two, we, we did, we made sure that we could get two shows out. So I have, you know, I have two shows worth of clips. I'm going to snag a, a three to five minute clip of every show so that you can hear what, uh, what, what these shows sound like before you even decide to subscribe to the Patreon. So our first show is actually my show, the Fight Game Podcast, John LaRocca and myself. Um, 
This is we we've been talking about WCW Saturday Night since uh, July, the beginning of July. We've covered all of the uh, 1992 WCW Saturday Night shows since July through. We'll get through the end of the year. Starcade '92. We'll talk about that that show as well. And then starting in 2021, Monday Night Raw '97. But in this clip, John and I talk about a guy who just comes onto the scene. Like a breath of fresh air. He's a high flyer. He's hip. He's cool. And for somebody like me at the time of uh, WCW 1992, you know, I was like 16, 17. So I'm starting to listen to hip hop more. That's becoming the predominant style of music that I listen to. And Too Cold Scorpio just is so out there for me and and john and i talk about it john even uh he even does a little bit of a of a version of two cold scorpio's song so i get to hear john sing as well so i'm gonna set this up it is myself and john we are talking about the greatness that is two cold scorpio Okay, so opening match here, we get Two Cold Scorpio versus Bob Cook, and you know one of the one of the cool things about Two Cold Scorpio in this time was his entrance. He had really cool music, and he would do like a dance going down to the ring. It, it, it was sort of like a, a skip. It was a little bit like a, like a running man, but he would actually do the running man sometimes after matches too. But he just had like this cool feel to him. He had rhythm. You know, he was kind of like kind of dancing to the ring to the beat of his theme music. I always thought that was a really cool thing about him and, uh, and and kind of like part of the gig, part of what made him a really cool young superstar in WCW. Yeah, yeah. He was very... You know, we couldn't do those moves. Mm-hmm. Look as cool, for sure. No. Um, I, 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 I did the running man in the mirror several yeah. times. Did not look as cool as Super I didn't, Scorpio. I didn't bust it out at a dance but i've busted out at home the running man <laughs> and the couch patch and a couple other um unfortunately you know we're in december we're gonna end this thing right at the last show yeah, of december yeah. so we don't get to hear in january the debut of everybody here comes to go scorpio <laughs> to go like we don't get that but uh but i forgot this i forgot his original theme song yeah this yeah da-da-da. And uh, but yeah, this it, is a good uh, match. I like the I like the good solid match, good showcase for um, Tuco Scorpio. And you know they think highly of Tuco Scorpio when they put him with a a guy on the main show, put Bob Cook with them, so they want him mm-hmm. to look good. Yeah, no, that's exactly the words that I wrote. I I, basi- I wrote Too Cold Scorpio Showcase, and then he gets the promo at the end, and you have uh, a budding, like, to me, I'm like, okay, you got a budding superstar here. You got a guy who, you know, let, let's let, let's not send him all, you know, let, 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 let's not 
you know, put him in title matches right now, but mm-hmm. let's let's build him slowly because this guy re, this guy uh, connects with the fans. He's got a cool. He's got some cool moves. He does things that you know we don't really see in WCW or or, or really we haven't, really, in, we haven't seen in, wrestling at the point. You know, we're yeah, all. It's I all mean, I mean, maybe, maybe they were doing some of this stuff in Japan. I, I don't know, but you know, the, this guy comes across as a future star for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it's unfortunately never got that superstardom that thought he should have got when he debuted. You know, so I mean, after you know, in '93 he had moments, but God, I, I really thought he could have been, an, you know, I don't know the main guy, but damn near, you know, third in the in the list of you know baby faces on the baby face side, third or fourth for sure. This dude is still wrestling, right? He still does. Yeah, he still gets out there. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break to talk about. One of our sponsors, Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it is almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of candidates who are quality, whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. So try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Indeed.com front slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through the end of the year, December 31st. So act now. Terms and conditions apply. And now I'm going to set up what is our Tuesday show? So John and I will we'll be there every Monday morning for you. You know, we're putting these out the night before. For people on the East Coast, it is like really early in the morning. But on the West Coast, you might actually, if you're up in the night, in the evening, you might get it before midnight. So I don't know, maybe you could listen to it that evening if you wanted to. But the idea is you wake up in the morning, you got work to do, you got something going on throw it on just like clockwork it could be part of your routine that's the idea but our tuesday show is our mma show we had originally thought that we were going to put this on wednesday but the way that it sort of fit with recording schedules tuesday works best and it is paul fontaine and ryan frederick they both cover uh ufc shows on wrestling uh on wrestlingobserver.com f4wonline.com so you've probably seen their work uh you've seen ryan's tweets on ufc shows they they like to show his stuff every once and again paul is uh someone who i've known for for quite a while now now not great but we're both uh part of brian alvarez's um community at f4wonline.com uh early early on the board same with ryan i've known ryan actually probably longer than i've known paul but um these guys are, are just really 
fired up about MMA. Ryan has quite the insight when it comes to some of this stuff. He talks to a lot of folks who know what's going on. And uh, one of the reasons that I really wanted to do this is because I feel that both of these guys don't really have as high of a profile in the MMA media as I think they should now. Look, they're, they're not reporters, right? They're not... Um, they're not working for ESPN. They're not working for USA Today. They're not working for MMA fighting. But at the same time, they are really smart about MMA. And Ryan in particular, like I said, he's got lots of information that, uh, you know, when it comes to news, he, he, he knows a few things uh, before they actually get reported. So his uh, MMA roundup column on fightgamemedia.com will have some tidbits that, uh, you know, that there's things that you'll see that week that Ryan will talk about in that column. So anyways, they are going to do a show on the network. They've actually done two called In the Clinch. Ryan had had really kind of held that name close to his heart for a while. He always figured that he was going to do a podcast at some point. So they've taken that name and uh, in this segment... They talk about the UFC's decision to release Yoel Romero from his contract, which was a bit of an eye-opener when people read, uh, but they both kind of talk about like why, it might be, why it's probably not that much of an eye-opener, whether you agree or disagree with that decision. So here is that segment. You know, I guess, like you said, the biggest news of the week was probably uh, former title challenger Yoel Romero uh, getting cut. Yeah, I mean, it was a surprise. I will say that, I mean, a lot of people were like trying to understand this one, but but from what I know, Yoel Romero actually asked to be released from his deal. He pulled out of a fight with Uriah Hall earlier in the year with, you know, uh, under weird circumstances. There was no ever, ever reason actually come out come out other than the fact that he wasn't injured, wasn't injured. I mean, and he hasn't been taking any fights. So this kind of feels like something that has been building and it makes sense to me. He, he's, I mean, as Dana, you know, likes to bring out the age, but let's look at it. He's 43. He's lost four of his last five fights. He's owing three in title fights. And, and, you know, and as I'll get into when we started discussing more of these cuts, there's, there's, I mean, there's other reasons why you would, you would cut him. I mean, it's a shame because Yoel Romero, when you, when you see him on a card, you're, you know, I mean, it's like, you got to watch this because you never know what happens. But then you look at when he fought Sonia in March about how that might be, you know, that's might be one of the worst title fights in UFC history. So, so you can't really risk putting him in fights. It's just, it's a weird situation with him, you know, when it comes to him fighting. So, I mean, it may, to me, it makes sense. And I have the feeling that he's, not going to be, you know, off off for very long. No, I mean, you said he is 43, but he's, I mean, he doesn't look 43. Uh, he didn't look great in his last fight, but really he's, uh, hey, he's, he's from, Q, he's from Cuba. They claim he's 43 for all we know. He could be like 55. So who knows? Yeah. But. Yeah. Like El Duque back in the day. Uh, 
yeah, but, but I mean, but he is one in four in his last five fights, which surprised me when, when I read that in your column, uh, I wouldn't have thought that, but, um, you know, when a guy is one win in five and he's on the wrong end of 40, um, it really does make a lot of sense because, uh, I mean, really all, all that's going to happen, uh, the best case scenario for Romero is that he takes out a potential title contender. They're never going to give him another title fight. Yeah. And, and he's probably, I mean, realistically, he still might be the second best middleweight on the UFC roster, maybe at worst the fourth best. So, I mean, who, who can you book him against? You can't book him against a guy who you're trying to build up for a title fight. So the, the only option is to book him against guys who are on the, on the way down or against guys who are coming off losses. But, but then again, if somebody, if you have somebody like Darren Till, who's coming off a loss, but you're trying to rehab rehab that you have to avoid putting him against Joel, you, mm-hmm. you know, a guy like Edmund Shabazian, who's a guy, who's a guy who coming off a loss, you're trying to, to rehab. I mean, you can't put him against Joel. Okay. So our Wednesday show is Justin Nipper's, baby just nipper again editor he edits probably 70 percent of the content that you see on fightgamemedia.com he wanted to do a japanese wrestling podcast that focused on history focused on culture justin lived in japan for uh quite some time so he understands the japanese culture like very few americans do And this podcast is called High Tension. And really, I think it's, it's, I don't think I can necessarily button it down. And I think this will be evolving. Justin has so many different ideas for doing stuff for this network. Um, JD Oliva and John LaRocca will, will be joining him. Uh, John, I, I don't know if he will be every week, but I know that they're going to try to do this. But at, at least J.D. Oliva, I think, is going to be Justin's co-host for, for the majority of these shows. And in this clip, Justin and J.D., they talk about Lu- Luthez coming to Japan and how his arrival really laid the foundation for what pro wrestling was about to become. So check this clip out of High Tension. But he flew from Canada into uh, into Tokyo. Uh, he might have, I don't know if he stopped in Hawaii or, or what, but um, but yeah, like you were saying, he, they showed him arriving in Tokyo. There's so many people waiting for him at the airport. It was like the Beatles. Absolutely. And there were a lot of people. And he looked like a champ. He looked like yeah. a real champion. He was wearing a nice suit. Yeah, he looked his, like a movie star. Or yeah, like his a, wife is gorgeous. And I said to him, like, wow, he's got like a knock. I mean, he looked like he looked like a like a superstar coming off that, like a big time athlete. Like, yeah. Pro wrestling in the 50s had like people say that's the golden era and people were making a lot of money. And according to his book, again, I mean, this is what Thez claims. I don't know. I can't. I mean, I wrestler. I, He's, he's a wrestler, right? But I mean, he was cl- he claimed that he was making double what Joe DiMaggio was making at the time, and Joe DiMaggio is making around 100k per year as uh, a Yankee. So um, a lot of money in 1957. And, and and Luthez was making a lot more. And for these two, just the two singles matches that he did with Ricky Dozon, he earned twenty five thousand dollars. And that's, that's 
in 57. And I, I think I sent you the calculation. It yeah. It's like 220 something, $220,000 in 2020 money. For so weeks quite, worth of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that you, you'd see more today for like Brock Lesnar like yeah. doing a, a one shot, like WrestleMania or something. He actually, I think he gets paid a lot more for that, but you know what I'm saying? Like big, big stars, uh, kind of money, huge stars. In, in an era when pro athletes didn't get paid, though, let's not forget is a lot of NFL guys in their off season wrestled so they could get paid. That's right. You know? The NFL was not what it was now. Like it was in the fifties. Dude, there's this great, uh, there's this great to tell the truth. This is old game show from the same, the same era. So this is just for, for reference. This, this show, this game show, tell the truth. They'd have people on and like, they have a panel and they have to guess what this guy, who this guy was or what he did. And they had Ray Nitschke on the year. He was the NFL MVP and people had no idea who Ray Nitschke was. And, you know, growing up in the Midwest, our dads all talked about, you know, the legendary Packer linebacker, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, like, and these people were like normal everyday people and they had no clue who this pro football player was. Like, can you imagine that today? It's a different world. Right. And so, but I mean, now you're seeing in pro wrestling that they're getting that kind of treatment. It just shows you how different things were. Yeah. Like when you treat it seriously, even though it's not real or I don't know, you know, people don't want to use the real and fake. I'm just, I'm using these words not to offend anybody. I'm just using them because for simplicity of uh, this podcast. So going forward, I'm not going to say that again, but like, uh, yeah, it's just whatever it's, the more real you treat it, the more seriously do you take something that the, to me, the more serious or valid the product's going to be in the end. Like you could tell that it doesn't matter if it's perfect or not. Everybody was going a hundred percent. I'm not just saying Ricky Dozan with that. I'm saying like, like you said, it was like the Beatles. There was like a ticker tape parade. They were, they were driving around in cars, like waving out of the window, like JFK or something. And it wasn't staged. It wasn't like, you know, sometimes that happens too. And that's wrestling, but this was like a, this was the thing. This was what was going on. And it was 57. I mean, you know, there's what this, a different type of entertainment that's available. People didn't know what they could, uh, didn't know what was out there yet. And to be fair, you know, at the same time in the U S like you've got gorgeous George on the Dumont network. So, I mean, I think that Americans had already kind of like in some ways developed a little bit of a side eye toward pro wrestling a little bit. And we're seeing it more as entertainment where again, it's definitely treated more as a sport. You know, I think that's kind of, again, we talk about this setting the stage for how, how things we perceived five generations later, you know, it's still like, it's still covered as a sport there. Whereas here it really isn't. And that stuff that kind of gets set up right here. And our Thursday show is our boxing show. This is called Pound for Pound, and I'm pretty pa- <laughs> pretty proud of this pairing that, that I put together. Uh, one of the guys is uh, Carlos Toro. Both of these guys write for Fight Game Media, so it's probably not a surprise. But Carlos Toro is a young dude. He is in his mid-20s, but he is a very old soul. He is very knowledgeable about boxing. He works so hard covering boxing for both his newly created website as well as his YouTube channel. And uh, I paired him with one of my favorites who I've been talking to for quite a long time now. His name is Robert Silva. And there is a little bit of an age uh, disparity there, but 
the thing about Robert is he's got the energy of someone as Carlos's age. Like Robert is uh, is just a house of fire. And so Robert also is so knowledgeable. I would actually consider Robert a historian in boxing. And I'm really hopeful this show takes off because there's so much knowledge. There's so much hunger. And there's so much insight into the business of boxing from both of these guys. And so check this clip out. Uh, Carlos asks Robert about the greatest Puerto Rican boxers. And if you've read Robert's work on our lists, uh, I'm sorry, Robert's work on our website, you know that he loves lists. He, he loves putting together lists, greatest um, light heavyweights in boxing history, greatest welterweights in boxing history, uh, greatest knockouts in boxing history, um, greatest fights in boxing history. So he's done so many lists for Fight Game Media. And this is just Robert just kind of like going off the top of his head about the greatest Puerto Rican boxers. And so this also comes on the heels of uh, Robert watching the Hector Macho Camacho documentary, which is really great, by the way. If you have Showtime, definitely check it out. But uh, but that's on on the heels of that list. So check out this uh, this segment with Robert and Carlos. Pound for Pound is the name of the podcast. For those of you who maybe are not exactly privy to the history of boxing, Puerto Rico has had a tremendous lineage mm-hmm. in boxing. Mm-hmm. You can go any era in boxing over the last. 70 years, Puerto Rico had a huge, huge impact on it. And this, and I'm actually really curious what you kind of have stored up because there's a lot of great fighters. And this is the discussion that I've had in the past over who exactly would be in that conversation for greatest all, you know, pound for pound Puerto Rican boxer. I've been waiting to talk about this. Now, as far as all around talent, just natural ability, the three Puerto Rican fighters with the most natural ability boxing wise. And I'm talking about mastering the art, defense, hand speed, movement. Benitez, Wilfred Benitez would be number one. Hector Camacho would be number two. And Yvonne Calderon would be number three. Those would be my top three natural ability, just God-given ability. None of them are in my uh, top three overall. Overall, my top three and the top two, it depends on whether or not my girlfriend screamed at me waking up in the morning (laughs) on the phone. Who's number one? It is so close between... Tito and Gomez and I have changed my mind over and over again but I could say without a doubt that those are the two greatest Puerto Rican fighters of all time when you take everything into consideration talent uh, the, how they dominated their divisions Felix, you can make an argument that Felix Trinidad was the third best fighter of the 90s after Roy Jones Jr. and Lennox Lewis I would put Trinidad number one and he was the best welterweight of the 90s because even though he got a disputed decision against De La Hoya he got the decision and he was the first man to thoroughly defeat and convincingly defeat Pernell Sweet P. Whitaker who had ruled that division for several years before he lost to Tito Trinidad in a quasi elimination fight um 
So that's one and two. Three and four, it would be between Miguel Cotto and Carlos Ortiz. And now, if you have Gomez, when you when you compare Gomez, Cotto, and Ortiz, you see the influence of Carlos Ortiz, who might be the most influential Puerto Rican boxer of all time, because he he set the standard for the Puerto Rican style, the boxer puncher. If you look at Carlos Ortiz, you see a, uh, a Carlos Ortiz in Miguel Cotto. You see a Carlos Ortiz in Wilfredo Gomez. You see a Wilfredo Gomez in Miguel Cotto. They had similar styles. They would they would fight you according to your style. If you were a runner, they'd come at you, work the body, try to break you down. If you was a slugger, they'd counter punch and, and box you. So those would be my three and four, however you want to put it. Carlos Ortiz, Miguel Cotto, Miguel Cotto, Carlos Ortiz. Number five is Wilfred Benitez. Benitez should have been number one, but his demons got the best of him. Benitez had the most natural ability. He defeated Antonio Cervantes at the age of 17 to win a WBA junior welterweight title, beat the great Mexican Carlos Palomino in 1979 at the age of 20 to win the WBC welterweight title, gave Sugar Ray Leonard hell before Leonard stopped him with six seconds left when he lost the title to Sugar Ray Leonard November 30th, 1979, knocked out Maurice Hope with a spectacular right cross, one of the best right hands you'll ever see land, and Benitez wasn't a knockout artist. He was a beautiful boxer, one of the five greatest defensive fighters of all time in his prime, and then... He did a masterful job of undressing Roberto Duran. He beat Duran more convincingly than Sugar Ray Leonard ever did. And just boxing brilliantly, making Duran miss all day in January of 82. Then he lost his uh, WBC Junior Middleweight Championship to Thomas Hearns in December of 82. Uh, No one ever outboxed Tommy Hearns. Benitez tried to, couldn't. Hearns was just too long. That jab, he couldn't get past. And that was the beginning of the end of his career. And now let's take another break to talk about our sponsor at Bet Online. If you are like me, you are in fantasy football blues. Three of my four teams got knocked out of the playoffs, or actually didn't even make the playoffs. I lost tiebreakers on three teams that were on the cusp and tied for playoff spots. I do have one team left in the fantasy football playoffs. Uh, Interestingly enough, the worst of the four teams. But if you're like me and you're just like, man, fantasy football is all of a sudden over. Well, guess what? You still have bet online. Uh, You know, we're getting close to the end of the football season, but still have a few weeks left. And then there's playoffs and then there's Super Bowl and all that. So Come on to Bet Online and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That is BLUEWIRE, all in one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And our Friday show is Two Jabronis with Wrestling Podcast. So Two Jabronis is also on the Blue Wire network. Uh, Ben Cruz, I met Ben because I helped produce a podcast 
that he himself is the lead producer on called Light Years, which is one of Blue Wire's most popular podcasts covering the Golden State Warriors. And Ben produces that show. Uh, his uh, The guys on that show, Andy and uh, Sam, they came into my office a couple times and we recorded a podcast in the office. And so I you know, I recorded it and 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 sent the files to Ben and, and and he put it up. So that's how I know Ben. And then when I started to do my podcast for Blue Wire, I really reached out to Ben. I was like, Ben, you are so knowledgeable about this producing stuff. Like, I just I just want to pick your brain. And Ben, who didn't know me except for a couple of email exchanges, he's like, All right, let's go, let's go meet at the coffee shop. And we talked for like an hour and a half. And the guy, Ben is just all class and just a, so, such a solid dude. Uh, Jeremy and he, I think they worked together at Bleacher Report back in the day. So this podcast is, uh, obviously they do one for Blue Wire, but this is the second podcast, the, an extra podcast, I say. I don't know if it's second. They may, they may do two shows in the, their Blue Wire feed, but this is an extra podcast for exclusively for the Patreon subscribers here. And their podcast, you know, Two Jabronis with Wrestling Podcast, the word jabroni uh, was really made uh, famous, I guess, in in vernacular by The Rock. And they're both big rock fans. And so this podcast is really, at least this version of it today in, in the beginning of our Patreon, it's really, you know, giving uh, shout outs to The Rock and, and kind of breaking down his career, which, I mean... You know, you go from 1996 Survivor Series. If you wanted to, you could go a, a little bit earlier than that with uh, um, Flex Cavano when he was doing Memphis stuff. You could even go to his college football career. But they're going to focus on The Rock and kind of, you know, just his career, the ascent, where he got to. And like, look, it's not a bad place to start, right? The guy is, uh, I don't know one of the biggest celebrities in the world today. So they also do this fun segment way, uh, where they cut promos on each other like only they can. You know, only, only Ben and Jeremy can do this stuff. So uh, here is a segment where they talk about uh, the, the Survivor Series 96 version of The Rock who comes out, you know, JR calls him the blue chipper. He's really someone who WWE... Uh, has high hopes for they think he's going to be the biggest star in the company and eventually he does get there but you know soon after this uh, survivor series debut he doesn't actually take off like they thought and so this is actually going to be kind of fun for john and i to look at because we're covering all of 97 and throughout 97 you know, mid to later half of 97, he really figures out his character and becomes the rock that we all remember. But so uh, check it out. It is uh, Ben and Jeremy talking about the rock on two jabronis with a wrestling podcast. So that's what this podcast is going to be about. It's going to be paying homage to Dwayne, the rock, Johnson and his entire career. We're going we're gonna to really get into the weeds, the nitty gritty of The Rock's career. And for today's show, we're going to start with the match that Jeremy alluded to earlier. The Rock's first in-ring action, his first big match, his first match overall is at the 1996 Survivor Series taking place at Madison Square Garden 
and he is participating in a traditional Survivor Series match. So first of all, it's kind of setting the table here. Survivor Series, so Survivor Series for in real time in, in 2020 just passed. And on the regular show, on the regular feed, we kind of talked about how Survivor Series has just kind of lost its luster a little bit as one of the big four pay-per-views, right? And mm-hmm. at this time, for The Rock to be in this spot, on a pay-per-view, by the way, and in a traditional Survivor Series match, these matches still have cachet. They still have weight to and meaning to to what you know what's happening. And so let, let's let's start from the beginning. He comes out in what I would describe as party streamers and and some and some blue tights. I think white. I think white boots. Am I remembering? It is correctly? white boots, blue tights with gold trim. It's like a Moana-esque cosplay. Yeah. With like a pineapple haircut. So um, so if we're, if we're being real, the worst part of this whole thing is his haircut. Right? Like it is. Oh, oh, oh well, no, uh, let's talk boots. about it. I mean, the boots. Oh, with interesting. The, I mean, I know it's the same boots that he always wears. Oh, man, that was an athletic move by him. Um, it's always it's the same boots he wears where he has the calf okay. cut out. Yeah. And I just find those to be god-awful but i mean he is uber athletic you can tell that he's green as can be just watching him in the ring with jerry lawler but i mean he he takes a bump and immediately kips up uh, and he just he's really playing the baby face so i think there's a lot of positives that come out of this or at least when you're watching it initially and then you get the tie out you get the the head-to-head with him in, in triple h and you're just like okay this is the next three decades of wrestling and literally that's what it ended up becoming i mean those two had some incredible matches incredible feuds for the ic title for the world title um just with factions the you know the dx nation feuds with both of them kind of leading those mm-hmm. and it's it's so ironic like all those people in this match um those are the two most memorable one of them is now the biggest movie star in the world the other is running arguably company. the best <laughs> version of the company today in NXT. I would say right? I would say just rewatching this Rock's selling ability is quite comical cuz when he takes a punch it almost looks like he's getting tased because he shakes. Yeah. And he just, he's trying really hard to sell and I think that's something that he learns kind of on the fly as he learns how to sell. Well, he becomes an he, he becomes he takes the stunner better than anybody. Right, he becomes an elite seller. Yeah, it's just After right now this. it's quite comical. And like you know, to his credit, in this moment, to this for this to be your first match at Madison Square Garden, right? Like that that phrase in of itself has kind of also lost a little bit of the cachet. Mm-hmm. But at that time, like that's a huge freaking deal, right? To to your first match to be at MSG at a at one of the big four pay per views with everyone watching, that's you know I, the rest of us would have folded like paper, uh, you know, under the pressure of that. And and for him to kind of hold his own. And, and yeah, was he overselling a bit? Was he super green? Absolutely. But again, you can just kind of see, uh, w- just watching this match, aside from like the cringeworthy movesets that like don't really build to anything that he eventually figures out, it's, it's his charisma that just jumps off the screen. Yeah, and I, I think, think that's crazy. what they were trying to get across because he was a babyface. They, yeah. they need to get across that he's a charismatic kid. And, I mean, there are some legends in there. I mean, obviously, we, we talked about Triple H, but he's got Jerry the King Lawler. He's got Jake the Snake. He's got Goldust. 
Uh, and then he's got the likes of Mark Marrow, the Stalker, and Crush. Crush wasn't too bad. Um, all right, R.I.P. Crush. R.I.P. But yeah, I mean, it's just a. It, it's. I don't think we're ever going to see this again. We're no. never going to see a completely green wrestler outside of like the likes of like a Ronda Rousey, who was a superstar beforehand. Right. Um, same with Pat McAfee. Like you're never just going to see a green unknown wrestler come out and debut on a massive pay-per-view. It's just so rare. And I think this also speaks to the fact, like it speaks to the knowledge and the where wherewithal of a Pat Patterson who helped. Um, right. Uh, rest who, in peace, Pat Patterson. Yeah. Who, who found him and, and called Vince and then Vince for putting him in this position. Like I know that on, on our regular show, we, we tend to shit on Vince quite a bit and rightly so as to what he's been doing lately, but there's no denying of the fact that he has found some incredible talent. Um, and he's made the most of that talent. All right. Here's the last segment that I'll share with you, which is from our WWE weekend recap, uh, for, uh, their, their main shows, their pay-per-views, their NXT takeovers, and we are calling it Break It Down with Keela Cash and Andy Marshall. You know, I really wanted to have a woman on this network because I just think that, you know, you have a bunch of dudes and, you know, it's cool as long as as long as they know what they're doing and they know what they're talking about. And and every dude, every guy, every podcaster that we have is solid. Like they're all really smart. They know what they're doing. They're very knowledgeable. But I really wanted uh, a woman on this network because more and more uh, when it comes to, you know, the whole gender equality thing, like, you know, there's look, there's it's probably guys outnumber uh, women as wrestling fans, probably like, I don't know, was it 75, 25, something like that. And most of the, a lot of the women come through because their significant others are wrestling fan and then they grow to become a wrestling fan. But you know, you get someone like Keela who has her own podcast called Russell Soaptopia. She does one woman podcast and that is extremely hard to do. Doing one person podcasts is so hard. Like me doing this right now where I don't have anybody to talk to, uh, it, it's not easy. I had to have lots of notes to make sure I don't screw up here. But uh, it was very important for me to get Kila on this network. And I wanted to pair her with somebody who could play a little bit of color with her, uh, color commentary. And that is Andy Marshall, who is a writer. He and Justin go way back. And Andy's been writing for us, mostly covering the WWE stuff on uh, Fight Game Media. And you're, you know, you're rarely going to hear as thoughtful uh, of folks talk about wrestling as Keela and Andy. They're not, you know, shitting on stuff or just, oh, this is terrible or, oh, this is great. And not really giving you reasons like Keela and Andy um, they're, they're thinkers, they're deep thinkers. They can, um, you you know, they're, they're giving reasons why things may work or things may not work or why they like something or why they, they don't like something. So you're going to get very thoughtful takes, uh, on this stuff from them. So hopefully this pairing works. I think it will work. Uh, in, in this show is from the, uh, the night after, 
the most recent NXT TakeOver, the War Games show. I kind of, uh, I jumped on so we could all sort of figure out what we wanted to do, but they're going to go themselves, starting with the TLC show upcoming. And uh, here is the segment where we're just talking about the Women's War Games match, which I think we all understood that it was it was maybe you know probably not the best book match overbooked but at the same time shout out to all the women in that match who worked their behinds off so here is Kilo myself and Andy actually I don't know if you're going to hear me I tried to cut myself out of here so you just hear Keely and, and Andy but here's the snippet of them talking about the war games match at the most recent NXT takeover <laughs> match, as you said, credit to every single woman that busted their ass throughout this entire process. Dakota Kai, as you mentioned, has been such a wonder this past year, truly developing into this badass, a truly developed character. And Raquel Gonzalez, all I can think about is when she first debuted to take over Portland and her inability to put poor Tegan Knox through the table. And we see <laughs> at the end of this year, she successfully put Io Shirai through the ladder and she won. Like, this how it started. This is where we are now. She is fully established. <laughs> she is much improved. And I definitely view her as a threat to possibly win the NXT Women's Championship early next year. Wow. But here's the problem. After this match was over, I sat back to think about it. And I thought, okay, I like Shasu Blackheart. I enjoy Candice Array a lot. I think they were the wrong team captains for this match. The true heat is Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they could have picked the teams. The psychology would have made more sense. And if you had the Hills win, I can accept Raquel beating EO and making Rhea's life even more miserable to end her shitty, terrible, horrific booking year after losing the championship to Charlotte at WrestleMania. I appreciate the work. Dakota taking the Eclipse on two chairs was ridiculous. My God, the trash came from Io Shirai. Oscar the Grouch is proud to know that trash is being properly utilized in 2020. I just thought it was a great stunt show. I think Triple H cried tears of joy with Rhea and the baby sledgehammer and using it on poor Dakota. And somehow she got up. But I think at the end of the day, the psychology, which made no sense for a lot of it. The baby faces are having the advantage. The baby faces are beating up the heels and the heels fighting from underneath. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And whoever booked the match, and I don't want to name a name, but I always sense weirdness when Road Dog is around anything booking wise because it's all funky. I think about 2017 SmackDown, Charlotte, who's on your show, not being a difference maker for a large portion of your year. Becky Lynch becoming the man and you still think she's a heel after what she did to Charlotte. <laughs> I just sense some funkiness with him. I don't blame Shauna Hunter, but you are micromanaging your show and you should know when psychologically this doesn't make sense. And despite the hard work and despite the shine everyone had, this this match psychologically didn't make sense at the end of the day. So it was a great spectacle, a great stunt show, but it lacked total logic in terms of the layout and the wrong team captains who really did not factor in the finish at all. All right, Andy, any, anything to add to that? You know, I think uh, 
the it was a thank you for Shotzi Blackheart, I think, for knocking out of the park at Halloween Havoc as like kind of the host and having her as the central focus of her team. You know, there's been far worse wrestlers that have made a lot of uh, headway in WWE, let's say on the main roster, um, who were weren't half as talented as Shotzi. So I think they see dollar signs in her and they wanted to put her up front. They put her with former NXT champion Rhea Ripley, former NXT champion Ember Moon, current NXT champion Io Shirai. You know, like she is with the absolute heavy hitters of NXT's women's division right now. And the other side, yeah, it's all up and comers. You know, you have Dakota Kai, you have Raquel Gonzalez. Um, I actually completely forgot Tony Storm was in the match when you said that she got lost. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, she, she was a little lost in the shuffle for sure. And and yeah, uh, the Tony Storm heel turn, it's, you know, it's like a Randy Orton face turn. They just kind of start wearing different clothing and it's like, okay, I'm a heel now. Okay, there you have it. Come join us at the Fight Game Media Network. Every tier in our subscription also gets access to our exclusive Facebook group for patrons, for subscribers. We'll share news, get your feedback about our shows, create Q&As uh, for interviews that I'll be doing, such as the uh, the Q&As with Dave Meltzer. We'll, we'll actually formulate the questions, or a lot of the questions, in the Facebook group. And, you know, we're just going to have fun chatting about all three of the combat sports that we cover. I created a Fight Game Podcast Facebook group, which is the reason why I think that this can work for patrons as well. That group has just been the best place that I've ever talked about this stuff with. It's uh, troll-free, and people are very thoughtful, um, responsible you know, we, we have a few dust-ups here and there, but nothing that adults cannot figure out. So, And I hope to do that for the, Patri- uh, the Patreon subscribers, too. The Fight Game Media Network subscribers. So, you can always email me, gg at fightgamemedia.com. Anything. If you have questions about certain things, if you're curious about when a show is coming out that I promised, just hit me up. I, I don't have anything to hide. I'm not going to ghost anybody. Like This is a really important thing. The actual customer service part of this is something that I really, really uh, want to be good at. So if you have any other feedback about the networks, such as the show's uh, I don't know, maybe Patreon is not working correctly for you. Feedback, you know, this is good, this is bad. If, if you know, if this thing worked this way, I would like it better. Uh, just send that to support at fightgamemedia.com. We want to support and service all of you. This is really about uh, fan service, customer service, uh, fan support, customer support for me, because if, if you guys don't like what we're doing, then you're not going to stay with us. So I want to make sure that we are hitting, uh, you know, I want to make sure that we're hitting 300 with 45 jacks and 125 RBIs for everybody who joins us. So communicate. I, I will be in all, of, I will be in the group. I'm available on email. We're on Twitter, Fike Media everywhere. Uh, Instagram. So definitely come join us. I think it's going to be a fun ride and uh, really appreciate those who have supported us so far. 
So that is it. I hope you enjoyed sort of this bonus edition uh, where we kind of gave you a little bit of a taste of what the Fight Game Media Network is all about. Uh, a lot of the upper tier stuff, you know, it's it's going to be coming out soon. So uh, we have a lot. <laughs> I have a couple. I have like 10 days off in uh, in uh, end of December. So I, I will utilize that time to do a lot of stuff for the Patreon. So that is it from here. So I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.